Sorry about that. Good morning, um, or good afternoon, or good evening, whenever you're watching this. Uh, let's just open up in a brief word of prayer. Search us, O God, and know our hearts. Try us and know our thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in us, and lead us in the way everlasting. Help us to hear from you this morning. Help our conversations afterwards be about you and that we would be filled with your spirit to get what you want to offer us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, again, welcome. Uh, if this is your first time watching, um, we're really glad that you're here. Uh, send us an email or something to let us know that you, you were with us. Um, and if you've been with us for the last few months, uh, I don't know how many months now, you'll know that we are in uh, the book of Ephesians. We've been going through a sermon series on the book of Ephesians for literally months. Um, it's a long time to go through a, a shorter book, but uh, it's given us time to really dig deep and, and go deep uh, in fact, this morning I'm, I'm just going to focus on one, one, uh, one verse. Um, but before I go into that verse, I just want to uh, say just a couple words. Um, and, and one of them is, is that one of the things that we've seen in, in Ephesians, especially lately as you get a little bit further on, um, a lot of what Paul is saying, um, it's clear that he's talking to the church. I mean, the... the, the uh, the book was written, or the letter was written, as a letter to the church, to the believers um, in, in the church. And so I think that's important to keep in mind, especially this morning as we're uh, going into this. So we're going to dive right into Ephesians 5.21, but before we do this, I'm thinking that to get where we're going, uh, we need to review just a, a little bit and back and just see the context where we're at. So I'm going to start uh, just a couple verses earlier at 518 and then 521 is, is the end of the, the thought process. So Ephesians 5 verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, depending on which version of the Bible you read, this we're uh, looking at the ESV, English Standard Version, which is what we usually use here. Um, you can put this verse either at the end of, in this context, at the end of uh, this passage, as I just did, or, you know, some translators um, will put it at the beginning of the next uh, paragraph, kind of starting a new thought process. Um, I can see why they would do that, but after a brief look deeper and, and looking at, at kind of a wide range, I really feel like, um, and I think this 
where we're doing it at the end of this uh, previous paragraph, that's kind of, that, that's really where it belongs. And you'll see that as we go along. Um, and again, what Paul is doing throughout Ephesians, especially the last chapter is here, is he's saying, this is how people as individuals and the church ought to act towards one another. So in this passage, we are instructed to be filled with the Spirit, sing and make music together, give thanks together, and now submit to one another. It's interesting to know that they're all kind of together things or one another things. Um, now, with a little bit of digging, I don't like to get too much into original languages and, and the Greek, but, but if you uh, read the Greek version of the Bible and study it a little bit, you find something's going on a little bit more. It gives a little uh, awakening to, to something that, that we might not catch at first. So there's something interesting and important to note here. That if we take this whole passage together, this statement, be filled with the Spirit, that part, is the only command or imperative in this section, meaning that the rest are participles. The participles describe life in the Spirit. They're sort of, if you want to use this word, secondary. Sing and make music together, give thanks together, submit to one another. They all fall under this one big thing of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Paul's not saying do these things separately, but you will or you ought to do these things because you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Meaning, if you're filled, these will naturally happen. There will be an outflowing of being filled. You sing and make music because you're filled. You give thanks because you're filled. And you submit because you're you're filled. Now, let me just once say one thing about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's different thoughts about, you know, is it subsequent or does it happen at the same time at salvation? It doesn't really matter. But what the Greek here, again, sorry to get into the Greek, but what the Greek here is saying, that when you say, be, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's something that's a continuous thing. It doesn't just happen once and you're like, okay, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and I don't need to kind of like pick that up again. It's something that we should be praying for every day. Wake up in the morning. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit today. Day by day, hour by hour, always, whenever you think about it. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Continue to give me that, that fresh water of, of uh, the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And as we do that, do this, these other works become the natural outflowing. Okay. So with this in mind, we can look at this verse a little bit deeper as a single verse. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Well, to, to start out, if you're anything like me, um, and I have to be real with myself, and, and we need to be real with ourselves if this is you. Even though it's a spirit-led thing, 
We in our flesh, as westernized Americans in today's culture, do not like the word submit. We cringe from the idea of something having power over us. Uh, I, you know, I'm not a big MMA fan, but uh, every now and then I'll catch it late night when I should be going to bed. Um, and uh, I think of submissiveness like when one of the guys is getting really beat down really, really hard and just getting beat up, and finally he taps out saying, I submit to you. I, I don't like that. Um, but that's one of the things. But more ser serious things of, of uh, submissiveness that we think of is we can think of the acts of fascist dictators or tyrants, abuse of colonized peoples, of slaves and masters. We even think of abusive parents or husbands, even bosses um, abusing uh, or manipulating employees. And uh, sadly enough, sometimes we think of pastors who are abusive and manipulative. But these, as a, as a fact, are all positions of worldly power and submission. These things go on today. They're not new. They've been going on for all of history. And I think especially in Paul's time, Jesus' time, the New Testament time, where Rome has taken over and brutally colonized the entire known world at that time. So the early church people who were reading this letter kind of already knew what submitting was all about. But then Jesus. Just like we find throughout the New Testament, Jesus or the apostles take something that is known, ingrained in the culture, and they like to flip it on its head to explain the kingdom of God or the Jesus way. So Paul is talking about this submit entirely different. God's view of submittal is different than the world's view. That's because submitting here is a joyful response and an outflow of being filled with the Holy Spirit, as we already said. It's a participle. It's a part of it. If you are a Christian today, you have submitted your life to Christ, and you're daily trying to live that out, right? But Paul here is taking it an even a step further. Submit to who? Well, to God, that's already a given. But that's not what he's saying here. He's saying, submit to one another. Or be mutually submitted or mutually submissive. Hmm. When you take that at first glance, it, uh, mutually submissive, how, how is that possible? No, it doesn't even seem logical at first glance. I mean, isn't there always going to be a leader or a master? I mean, wasn't Jesus a leader? Like, what's, what's going on here? Well, I think the question about Jesus is, is, uh, is an important thing to ask. 
Because as we take a look in Scripture, we can see sort of how he comes on the scene and what he models for us. And I think one of the best models, one of the best examples um, we have is found in Philippians chapter 2. Um, I'm going to le- read Philippians 2, 1 through 7 and make a couple comments along with that. So this is Paul writing the church in Philippi, different than his uh, letter to Ephesus. He says, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit. So he's like, so if you're walking in encouragement and love, and you're walking and living with the Spirit in you, being filled with the Spirit. Verse 2, Complete my joy by being the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Be mutually unified. Verse 3, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And he goes on and says, Let each of you not uh, look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Jesus came as a man and emptied himself of all the supernatural power. He came as a man by taking the form of a what? A servant being born in the likeness of men. So Jesus, as the one true God-man, not only deferred his power and glory he was due as God on earth, but he chose to come as a Servant. What is a servant? Well, it's just another form of one who submits, one who serves. But who is he a servant to? Well, if you look in the Gospels, Mark uh, chapter 10, Jesus speaking of himself says, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus came to be a servant to everyone who has ever lived on the earth. And that's the model right there. That's the model. We are called to be servants and submissive to all our brothers and sisters in the church. All our brothers and sisters in the church. Well, that seems uh, pretty lofty. Seems to be a pretty big ask, don't you think? But it's like a lot of things that God asks us, asks from us. It may not be easy, but it's kind of simple and straightforward. Okay, so what sort of attitude does that servanthood or mutual submission look like for us? I have three main sort of points um, that we'll we'll go through and with a few uh, things on the side. First, to be submissive 
or submitted to one another, we need to remember that it is a spiritual thing. It is not in our natural fleshly nature to want to submit. We already said that. We can only do this with the help of the Holy Spirit. I mean, which if you think about it, that's really kind of how we should live our whole lives, not just in view of submitting to one another. I mean, we should always be led by the Holy Spirit in in everything that we do and, and in every way that we live. Now, one thing that I want to caution about is when it comes to being submissive, sometimes this can creep into our thoughts if we're not careful. Is our fleshly cry for independence and our rights. I, you know, I, God's made me free, and, you know, I live in the United States. I have independence. I have rights. But when you're talking about the kingdom of God and God's way, we have no rights. We have to give up our rights. Sounds kind of scary, right? Now, I'm not talking about becoming a doormat for others to step on or that you need to stop fighting for good things like justice or, or that you need to do away with self-care. These can all be important righteous acts. But we do need to recognize that when we said If we're Christians, we said we'd receive Jesus as our Savior and especially as our Lord. That when we do this, that we are giving our whole lives over to him, including our rights to our own lives. Now, I know that's a tough word to receive. I remember when somebody uh, preached that the first time, second time, third time, I was like, I... uh, I don't know, <laughs> you know. I have to still fight with myself to say, no, I don't, I don't have rights other than what my rights are under, under God, under Jesus. I mean, he's made me free, but I'm not supposed to use that freedom for doing whatever I feel is my right. So the only thing I can say about giving up your rights is pray that God will help you. That's all I can do, you know. I mean, I, there's nothing else, Right? Ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit again and again. Ask God to help us give up our rights that make us think that we're more important than others. Because if you check your your heart, a lot of times, who are you thinking about the most? Yourself. Maybe that's not you, but that's me. I think about me more than I think about anybody else. Ask God to help us give up our rights that make us think that we're more important than anyone else. And simply ask God to give you more love for others. Second, submitting to one another has to be intentional. It's voluntary. It's intentional. Now, yes, Holy Spirit-led Completely. Um, But while doing these works are are the natural outflowing, we still need to step into that flow. You, You get what I'm trying to say? It should be natural, but we have some of that old man left in us that we need to step in and not just, you know, be complacent. Prayer back, certainly. You want to submit to one another, you have to be in prayer. 
Just be aware that waiting on the Lord, which is part of prayer, is not the same thing as doing nothing. Um, Our faith is not just meditation and contemplation, but it's active, not passive. So we don't need to wait for the specific call or the voice of the Lord somehow supernaturally to serve or submit. It's in the word. It's right there. So we have to be aware of others' needs. Or rather, we need to make ourselves aware of other needs. Be intentional. Seek it out. Seek, seek out your friends or, or those that have needs. Because if you look for needs, you'll find them here. You'll find them. And uh, this gives me the opportunity to uh, give a plug. This is one of the reasons we like to encourage all of you to be part of a small group. I mean, honestly, this is, this is one of the biggest deals, right? I feel like that context of the small group is the easiest to be mutually submissive. Because you guys get to know each other. You, you get to know each other's needs. And, and you're on mission together. Right? Okay, but how about this word mutual? Um... Remember, Paul is writing to the church. And Paul is writing to the church as a whole here. I mean, he's talking to, to the church, and usually the church would read the, the, the letter together, but it's also for individuals, right? We can read it um, on our own. But Paul is writing to the church as a whole in the words that he's saying. This call to be submitted to one another is for all the community of individuals to care for all the others in the community. This is not just the call for those of us who don't have leadership positions because, oh, the leaders, they don't need to be submissive or it's just us. No. It's not the call for those of us who don't have leadership positions. Neither is, is it just the call for pastors to submit or small group leaders or other leaders. This really is not an issue of authority in the church at all. This is not talking about that. What makes it mutual is it's all of us submitting to all of us. Me to you, you to me, Pastor Scott to you, you to Pastor Scott, you to you, you to you. It's, it's, that's the call. Submitting to one another brings equal valuing not only to those who may seem lesser than us in the world sense, but also those who are higher than us in the world sense. Submitting to one another brings equal valuing and is the power by which a Christian community establishes itself to become stronger. I know that was kind of a mouthful, but hopefully you understood what I was saying. Another verse that kind of goes along with this is Galatians 6.2, which tells us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It's kind of like bear one another's burdens. Take the example that Christ gave us. And that's what makes it mutual. Again, it's not always easy to do this. But it's kind of simple. We see his example. He tells us what to do, 
We do it. The third point in uh, this idea of submitting to one another is it needs to be done in humility. I don't know about you, but to me, this is like the biggest, maybe most epic of all godly values, humility. It, it's scattered throughout Scripture. And so much of our sin nowadays comes from pride, both in the church and outside of the church. Sometimes we think that we're smarter than the next person because we're better educated or have a more money-making job or thinking that we're smarter than the Word of God or thinking that we're smarter than the wisdom of the saints or thinking that we're just better somehow. Now, you might not say that outwardly. But how many times do you find yourselves like I do? Arguing or debating with God. Or maybe not arguing or debating as much as bartering with God. Like, oh, he tells you something and you're like, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that needs to be done. But it's something you really don't want to do. So you start thinking, um, yeah, well, hey, God, what about instead of that, I do this. It'll, it'll, it'll bring the kingdom of God. It'll, more people will get saved if I, if I do this. It, I'll do, you know. You know, I'll do anything. I'll do anything for you. Anything that you want me to do. Just maybe not that. That's bartering with God. God wants you to do that for his purposes. Like you know better, right? Maybe that's not you. But uh, I can certainly say that I've struggled with that in my life. Romans 12.3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself or herself more highly than he or she ought to think, but think with sober judgment. I opened up the, um, this morning with that, that uh, scripture from Psalm 132. Search me, O God, know my heart, know my anxious thoughts, see if there is any grievous way in me. Pray that, and you realize humility says, you're not all that. And remember, if we go back to Philippians 2, which we read earlier, verse 3 says, in, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. So in order to submit yourself, you need to come with you humility. And if somebody is submitting to you, you need to receive them. With humility. One of my favorite theologians, a guy named Klein Snodgrass, who uh, wrote uh, one of my favorite commentaries on Ephesians, says that what Paul has in mind is that Christians reject self-centeredness and work for the good of others. Submission is nothing more than a decision about the relative worth of others. Pretty straightforward. Let me speak a little bit from my heart. To be completely honest, uh, I've been part of this church for, what, 13 years or so? And I can honestly say that this church 
I think is actually pretty good at reaching out. I mean, we're not perfect. Nobody is. But I've watched countless times um, people in Renaissance giving of themselves to the need of others. Um, I think that we do a, a pretty good job of partnering with outside organizations like uh, City Farm, um, Southside Community Land Trust, Trinity Square, the Salvation Army, the various art installations we've done, um, all the Christmas outreaches. I mean, again, there's always room for improvement, but because there's always going to be needs, needs that need to be met. But I, I feel like we're doing and reaching to do God's good work. And I say that with humility. And then I think about inreach, like, in, you know, looking inward. The first thing that comes to mind that we do well is children's ministry, which is awfully, oftentimes a thankless job. I'm a dad, and I have two young kids that are in children's ministry, or one that's just getting out, uh, graduating. Um, and I love them, and I love being with them. But children's ministry, man, it's tough. Um, there's a few of you that have this super amazing gifting, and I don't think I have that. But that doesn't mean that I shouldn't do it at times. Because it serves the kids. And it submits, really, to the parents and the needs that they have. You know, I've seen people in our church offering rides to church or visiting shut-ins, even if it's snowy and it's out of the way. You know, when we used to meet together on Sundays, listening to the prayers and involvement of those who were in dire straits up, up front, it warmed my heart to see that people were really submitting and, and, and serving people who had some really pretty big needs and then acting on those. Again, we're not all there, but I feel like God has blessed our efforts and is leading us into new things. So with that, let me close with two final thoughts. God's heart is for the world, for those who are lost, outside the walls of the church. But his heart burns, I think, as deep or even deeply, more deeply, for his bride, those in the church who love him. And remember that Ephesians was written to the church for the church. So my encouragement to all of us as Renaissance Church, as the church as a whole, is to keep doing the righteous deeds outwardly. But let us not neglect taking care of the flock, submitting to one another. You see what I'm saying? And then finally, let's not forget the second half of the verse. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. There's a whole other sermon here that we could go into. But let me just say, I think it's interesting, as we've said, 
that this whole passage, passage starts with being filled with the Holy Spirit, but then focuses, focuses on some real practicalities of interacting for the good of others and the church. And then it brings it home again to the more spiritual side that ultimately we do all this all for God. And because of that, it is a holy and reverent act. Amen?